When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. Guess what? Although you're used to hearing spit at this time with David Lee Scales and Scott Bass, we're on a summer hiatus, and damn it, we deserve one. But um, we do have something perhaps special, maybe not so special. The Boardroom Podcast is back, David. Yeah, we've been. everybody's been waiting for it, Scott. It's been too long, but um, you got a couple of good guests to kick it back off. Yeah, and... Um, whether these shows are special or not, we'll let the listeners decide. But um, for sure, the two guests are special. And that would be um, Justin Turnus from Dark Art Surf and Michael Arenal from Arenal Surfboard. So we'll be interviewing them, David, and um, hopefully that will fill the ear, uh, you know, the needs of the listeners with some ear candy. Yeah, we'll get a w- couple weeks off to spend some time in the water. And um, everybody's been, I mean, Dark Art's, has had such a meteoric rise to fame, I'd say, in the last few years that, yeah, I think everybody wants to know more exactly about what the construction is and what Justin's story is. How did that interview go, by the way? You know, it went great. The thing that's cool about Justin is that he's really focused. Like, he he likes to just stay in his lane. Like, he's kind of in this place where, yeah, maybe he could blow up and hire a bunch of people and open another area. But he's like, look, I just want to do what I do really, really well. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to take over the world here. And so it's a, it's a great, both of these interviews are great if you're a board builder and you like the, you know, the concept of what different people in this space do, how they build boards, what their mind uh, set is and stuff like that. So I enjoyed the heck out of both. Um, I'd never interviewed Michael Arnall, so I got to learn a lot about him. And um, I'm excited about bringing the boardroom show back. Yeah, so um, we're going to drop the episode of Dark Arts here today in the Spit podcast feed so that our Spit fan base and listeners have something to listen to while you and I are on summer break. And then next week, we'll drop the Michael Arnall episode same day right here in Spit. And by the way, the Boardroom Show feed as well, simultaneously, of which there's an archive years long of people uh, of interviews so that people can go back and listen to archives if they're new to the Boardroom Show. Cool. So Boardroom Podcast is back and uh, yeah, all is well in the world. We have a new uh, new relationship though that we want to introduce to everyone. Can you tell me a little bit about that and what your introduction is to it? Yeah. So much like a lot of our sponsors, I was randomly on Instagram and this board short company called Driftline popped into my feed. And what interested me was these um, neoprene lined board shorts. So they look like your standard board short, but on the inside, they have a half a millimeter of wetsuit lined board short. And I immediately went, oh, I remember those from back in the day. OP had those in like the mid to late 80s. And everyone kind of wore them for a couple of years. Not everyone, but some people did. And in fact, I did, you know, and I remembered them and I remembered that they were comfortable and they kept, you know, the crown jewels in place and there was no chafing. So when I saw these drift lines come on, in my feed, I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to try these because they're kind of cool. They're the best of both worlds. They have fashion in that they're kind of have this casual board short vibe, but 
underneath that is this function. So I just said, yeah, I'm going to try and what the hell I was going to Mexico and I needed a pair of board shorts. And so I just ordered some board shorts and they came in and I was super stoked on them, you know? And so I reached out and said, Hey, you know what, guys, I, I love what you're doing here. This is cool. You know? And they reached back to me and they're like, Oh my gosh, Scott, let's go have a cup of coffee. You know, we love what you're doing with the boardroom show and, and the surfboard industry. And so um, we had a cup of coffee and, and Wes and I hit it right off. And and here we are. And you used the shorts in Mexico too. So, and loved them. And I actually got a pair incidentally back in 2020, if you can believe it, January, 2020. So three years ago, and it was during the winter time. So I didn't really need them. And, um, obviously COVID happened right then kind of a month or two after that. So I didn't go on any trips or anything. So I didn't get a chance to use them until that summer, but I had the exact same experience as you where it's like, man, I didn't know what I was missing the the compression aspect of it kind of keeping everything snug is not only more comfortable it's more functional and then that little bit of neoprene is just warm enough to if the water is a couple degrees colder than the air it's kind of the perfect amount of wetsuit material and then like you said it's board shorts on the outside but for listeners you can't see the wetsuit liner at all it's just on the inside it just looks like you're wearing a regular pair of board shorts it just feels warmer and more comfortable basically so and the no chafing thing is a big deal for me. Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah. yeah if you're We're excited to have Driftline on board. Yeah, exactly. So Driftline, by the way, it's driftline.co, not driftline.com, but we'll link to it on today's website uh, post. And we have a promo code as well, 15% off. So uh, the code is spit, just the words spit. So super easy to remember driftline.co promo code spit. And they're going to be with us for a while. And we've got trips lined up throughout the summer. So we'll be wearing these trunks um, throughout and lots more to discuss. But we want to say thanks to them for sure for partnering. Yeah. Driftline.co. Go there now. 15% off. Use the code SPIT. All right. On to the boardroom podcast with Justin Turnis. Hey there, podcast listeners. Stoked you're here with us. Of course, we took a bit of a hiatus, but the Boardroom Podcast is back. I do want to tell you about, of course, the Boardroom International Surfboard Show coming up October 7th and 8th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. We're honoring Bing Copeland this year as the icon of foam. So eight shapers are going to get in the shaping bay and attempt to replicate some classic Bing designs. And those eight shapers, Thomas Beckson from Australia, Josh Peterson from the East Coast and Hawaii, Hank Warner, Dane Purley, Michael Arenal, Wayne Rich, Roger Hines, and defending champion Rick Rock. In addition, if you're a board builder and you're listening to this and you want to be a part of the Boardroom International Surfboard Show, we do have booth space available. And you can find out more information at boardroomshow.com. Just click on the exhibit link in the upper menu bar. On to the show. Justin Turnus is the founder of Dark Arts, Dark Arts Surfboard Technology, carbon vacuum bagged surfboards. That's sort of the Reader's Digest version. There's actually much more to it. And we speak about some of the nuance involved here. What's really cool about Dark Arts is the conviction that Justin has about these boards. They're made right here in San Diego, California. These are American-made products shaped by world-class shapers and then glassed with a refined carbon fiber vacuum bagging technique, one that Justin's perfected. 
On this episode of The Boardroom Podcast, Justin Turnus. Let us begin. All right. Well, uh, welcome to the Boardroom Podcast, Justin Turnus, the founder of Dark Arts Surf. It's been a long time since we chatted. I want to say at least a couple of years, maybe before COVID even. A lot's been going on. But why don't we give the listeners a little background on you? Who, um, you know, where'd you get your start? Um, Who are your mentors? How did you get into this surfboard building career? I basically... Uh, started out when I was about 19 and just uh, excited about surfing and surfboards and uh, got a job at just a poly shop uh, that does production and just kind of started at the bottom, you know, and I didn't know anything. And I think that was around 99. And uh, yeah, that was kind of the beginning. And then, you know, just literally worked every day at that shop and soaked up as much knowledge as I could from everybody that would come in and out, you know? Um, but it's just, and the uh, innate interest in surfboards and how they're made. And I guess as a kid, I was always interested in, you know, how things work and making things. So, um, if I'm really interested in something, I kind of get obsessed about it. And then I go down like wormholes. And this has been just a big one for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, as you look back on your career, and I know you've got a lot ahead of you as well, but if there was one person that was super important, that was like vital to either mentoring you or to just giving you some not one person? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think looking back, I mean, I was really young and and I come from a really small little town called Hamul and I grew up on a dirt road and, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't around a bunch of people, you know, as a kid. Um, So I guess people were impressionable and I, I I learned a lot about just being around people at that age like I was kind of just thrown into the mix of like how humans work so I mean the guy that owned the the poly shop Brian Jones I mean he was a he was a character and an interesting person but he was like he was like so like business kind of crazy and just interesting to me I guess as far as business goes he was the first one and then um from there you know shapers were always interesting and uh and then once I started working with firewire I really got thrown into the mix of like this is how like corporate business people think and then I mean it was just a a learning crash course in humans and business all the way from the, the beginning. So I guess there's a few people, but I don't know if that makes sense. Well, that does, but let's talk a little bit about your time at Firewire. Cause as I recall, you were doing layups at the time Firewire was building custom surfboards was built. They had a factory here in San Diego, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, 
that was the real eye opener was the that beginning with firewire uh when dan and i were basically just kind of making them out of his shop off of pacific highway we went from a poly-based kind of shop to you know wrapping eps blocks with balsa wood rails and then vacuuming sandwich construction over that and then glassing it like literally that whole process to me was just like wow this is a trippy way to make a surfboard you know and then riding them and then just feeling them bend under your feet and move differently like that was like all right there's a whole nother element to this thing that i had no idea about you know from just being in the poly world and then that was just a wormhole you know i was like okay and that's when it started kind of you know yeah, and so for the listeners, you're referring to Dan Mann. Yeah. And yeah, this must have been a 180-degree flip from just like laying up polyboards ter- sort of in the standard way to all of a sudden, we're doing things completely different. And and in some regards, that's that sounds like it was an important stepping stone for you. Yeah, it, it was. And, you know, I guess that going back to the last question of, you know, who who would would make the biggest impression on me and and... I would say Dan, man, uh, for sure, as just a person, the way he thinks, you know, who he is as a person is it's, it's, he taught me so much about how to, you know, let go of like perfectionism and just a radical way of thinking. I mean, he's definitely been probably my biggest influence and, uh, how I think and how I approach things in making things, uh, his influence is heavy on me for sure. You know, um, I would say that. And as you sort of referred to, um, probably one of the nicest guys in the surf industry, if not just in the entire earth, (laughs) he's such a good guy, Dan, man. He is. He's a great guy. And I, I, to this day, we stay in touch and, uh, he's come out to the house and and we we hang out and yeah, he's a great guy. Really cool guy. Let me um, switch gears a little bit. We, we spoke last week and you were off to the surf ranch pro getting geared up for it. Um, What's your, what's your take on the surf ranch pro it's finished up. We have two champions, Carissa and Griffin Cole Pinto. Um, What was your experience like there? That's a good question. Uh, you know, it was, it was interesting. There's a a ton of action there, man. It was the weirdest thing. It's like you show up and it's in this little town and there's a dirt parking lot. And then you walk in and it's just like, I I actually came from Vegas the night before I had to play some music in Vegas. So I had a super long drive, but coming from Vegas and then walking into that place, it kind of had a similar Vegas vibe. (laughs) It was so strange. There was people, you know, at the bar and there's giant TVs and there's Red Bull tents. And I mean, there's just so much action. It's so weird. It was just like weird, but um, it was cool. It was, it was interesting to watch, you know. Is this your first time there? You know, I was there, uh, I think, three years ago uh but it was i think it was during the pandemic maybe it was two years ago and it mm-hmm. was kind of a very small scale uh event and i went there and it wasn't like this time 
this was yeah. like more, more bigger production, you know? Um, but I talked to, I talked to a lot of the athletes and I, and I got a chance to connect with them. And I also talked to Ross, who's a good friend and, uh, at the end, and he was like, you know, for everything that people don't like about this event, you know, it, it's actually kind of cool because it's a different layer and a different element in surfing for these athletes. And they have to overcome like this mental aspect of this place and figure out how to compete on this wave that goes for a pretty good distance that, you know, it's, it's strategy and it's mental in, in that aspect. And it's, and it's difficult, even though it is a man-made perfect wave, like you saw athletes fall. I mean, you were like, how do you fall? I mean, it's just, there's a ton of things going through their head. And I could see that in these athletes when they're walking to the ramp, like it's, it's pretty cool, you know? So, yeah. yeah. It's definitely unique. Who is Ross that you were speaking of? Ross who? Sorry, Ross Williams. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, going back to your first time there, I'm always interested. I know that my first time there, it was mind blowing when that thing fired up and that train moved and that first wave came through. Like you, you don't realize what a what a grand undertaking and what a grand thing you know piece of technology that they made it's it's mind-blowing when you see the first wave you're like holy mackerel this is way better than i anticipated i i totally agree it is it is wild when you see that first wave if you've never been there it's it's pretty wild it's an incredible wave and it's a the engineering feat on that thing is amazing there's a ton of water moving when you're standing at the wall and it just backwashes over that little hump it's it's pretty crazy man it is super crazy yeah, um, no doubt the, the best man-made wave out there. There's there's just no denying it. Um, what about this this little flare-up that Gabe Medina has caused on social media? Do you have any take on that, Justin? You know, I don't. I'm not like a super contest person where I like follow it heavy, but um, just being there and being around it and. Uh, I mean, I could see, I could see a point where, you know, scores maybe went away they shouldn't have. Um, but I'm not a, really a person to judge that, and everybody's bias is kind of different. Um, I could see, I could see their point, you know, that they could be frustrated. But I think sports is kind of like that, you know what I mean? And uh, I don't know. I think you just have to kind of better yourself and you know yeah. go the other way with it I don't know how to explain it but you know I, I can see their frustrations for sure I think when I when I look at a heat and I'll watch them surf I, I kind of try to score it myself I'm like huh is that better than that guys and I'll maybe put a mental score in my head and then you know it comes out maybe way higher and I'm like wow you know that was that's kind of interesting and I'm trying to analyze it and figure it out and I'm not the expert there, you know, so, but yeah, I could see if, if your professional career hinges on that, it can be really frustrating. I could see where that can be really hard, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and like you say, I, I think that, um, you know, as we've, I mentioned to somebody the other day, um, people have been complaining about judging and surf contests since the very first surf contest. And yeah, it's sort of, 
part of the it's part of the fabric of the whole competition thing. But yeah, um, but specifically for you, Justin, you you brought some of your dark arts boards up there. Um, I imagine you bring boards for and help me out here. You bring boards for Felipe, for John, John. Who else do you bring boards up there for? Uh, let's see. Uh, Bear Mamiya, he's he's been riding them for a bit, and uh, Kanoe Garashi is is he was like one of the first ones to ride it at the pool. Um, he was on them, and Stephanie Gilmore uh, is now on them. Uh, we made a couple for Italo, and I talked to him, and uh, he just didn't have enough time prior to that contest to to get on them. Um, but he said they. They definitely feel amazing. And, and I think he's going to be on them for El Salvador um, from our conversation. He's excited to get on them. Well, that's what interests me is, is what I'm trying to get at is when you show up and I imagine there's some anxiety kind of welling within you. You've got all these beautiful crafts that you've poured your heart and soul into and you show up and you've got Felipe and John John and Stephanie and Baron. And they're probably like looking at standard construction and they're looking at your boards like is there a moment where you're like well we'll see which one they pick you know like or do you yeah. know going up that they're all gonna they're all waiting for you to arrive or they're already on your boards like is there a moment where you're like oh bummer they just they grabbed a standard pu or oh killer they're they're ripping on my dark art so because they're that moment or do you know going up there that these guys are settled into what you're making yeah you know that's that's a great question because there is that there is that total anxiety and stress of i don't know what they're going to ride i i know uh i, I was pretty sure philippe was going to ride his i was pretty sure kanoa but a hundred percent like we did one for ethan italo stephanie i mean a, a ton of boards i'm missing a, a few as well but yeah for sure like i don't know what they're going to ride and um, I was pretty sure John was going to ride his, his new one that we did. Um, but yeah, it is, it is stressful. It's, it's super stressful. And leading up to that contest here at the shop was like, we did so many team boards for that thing. It plus production. It was, it was long days. It was long days and long weeks. And, um, you know, I usually don't get to connect with the athletes. So for me going up there, talking to Stephanie, talking to Italo. And, you know, uh, it was great because I didn't know, I thought, you know, maybe Italo wrote it and he just didn't like it. And the truth of the matter was like, he just didn't have time, you know? So that makes me feel good. Cause I'm usually kind of in the dark as far as like, you know, why didn't he write it? You know, I don't know because I can't just really reach out and all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it, it's super stressful. And then, you know, when you watch him ride it, it's a whole nother, it's that's sort of interesting, Justin, that <laughs> you can't reach out and speak to the athletes. Like when I think of like Formula One guys that are building engines and cars, I imagine they're speaking directly to the drivers. And I do know you have and forget, um, you know, let me know if I'm wrong here, but I know you have a direct line with John uh, Florence. Uh -huh. It seems like you should have a direct line with these people. But I guess THD and these the board designers in, are in the middle and they don't want you to have direct contact. Yeah, um, there is there is a thing about that. And 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 I, I understand that to a degree. But to your point, um, if you want to make any real progress with these athletes, communication between athlete, shaper, glasser, especially in this type of situation, you know, to get the, the most out of it, more communication, the better. 
Um, actually, Darren Hanley was here at the shop yesterday. I love that guy. He's yeah. so easy to work with. And uh, I told him just that. I said, you know, we can make some really good progress if we keep the lines of communication open. And he like, he was like 100% all in, no problem. You know, um, whatever you need. Uh, I was really excited about that. As far as you mean, he's open to you, like reaching out to Ethan and reaching out to the staff. Well, even if I, I don't need direct communication, I'm just telling him, like, listen, if they give you communication, like, I would like the board to be lighter and a little more flexible. Yeah. Please give me that information when we make the next one so I can create a baseline and work from that. You know, I don't necessarily need to talk to the athlete, but. If you talk to them, please let me know the feedback that you're getting so I can improve upon their board, you know? So um, I get that with John. John and I, uh, we definitely have like a closer collaboration with his stuff. Um, yeah. I've never talked to Philippe. I've never talked to Kanoa really. Uh, I've never talked to any of the Sharp Eye guys. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, it's interesting because yeah, all your going off of is like, well, I guess the last one worked pretty good. So we'll just kind of glass it the same and cross our fingers, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it is very interesting because as you know, when we think about John, John Florence and Carbon, I immediately think of sailing and his, like, he's just kind of a, he's kind of a, like a hard goods geek, you know, like he's into everything, every little nut and bolt of his, of his sailboat. And yeah, and I'm sure he's that way. So, and then there's other people. And frankly, I might even fall into this category. But there's other people that are like, dude, just give me the board and I'll wax it up and go ride it. And we'll see what happens, you know, like that aren't as like technically inclined, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. He's like a, he's a super nerd when it comes to materials and his boards and the more interesting and more out there they are, the more excited he gets, you know? So, and it's, it's always chasing something with him, but it keeps it really fun kind of for both of us, you know? So having DHD uh, into the fold now has got to be exciting because of uh, obviously staff, but um, as well, Ethan Ewing, who is arguably, you know, the the most stylish or the most together package as far as um, bringing everything to the wave face. Tell me about that. Uh, the Ethan Ewing thing is, is he going to be riding your boards in El Salvador? Where's he at with the dark arts technology? Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, he's really exciting. Um, just watching him at the surf ranch was, was really cool. And I, I think for him, it sounds like I need to, uh, we're going to work a little more. Darren was here yesterday. Uh, we shaped one for him, went through that. And then, uh, I need to work on weights and, flexibility with him on the build so I don't think he'll be on him in El Salvador um, but I am going to build him a couple two or three uh, to get under his feet soon so that we can start making some progress and maybe for you know maybe for the finals day I don't know you know when you say flex or when somebody goes uh let's work on the flex are you yeah. Are you thinking different foams? Are you thinking different stringers or no stringers? Like what goes yeah. in, or maybe there's just less resin or a longer time in the vacuum bag process. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, basically I, I like to just do stringerless, um, you know, as a base with EPS. And then as far as flex, uh, I would look at what type of carbon or shifting the carbon 
at, a, at an angle. And so for Ethan, I'm gonna do uh, a non-woven and then we're gonna play with some tapes and what width those tapes are and where to put those to kind of control, give it the sense of a stringer, but still give it a lot of bend. And then um, I'm gonna give them a board that's probably just under five pounds uh, that will, will feel pretty lively and see what he thinks about that, you know? That's amazing. So I didn't even really recognize the fact that there's non-woven weaves that you're using. There's different ways that you lay them relative to horizontal or vertical on the on the board. There must be a ton of notes that you make when you make a board for say Ethan, you're like, okay, we did this, uh, we did the, these four vertical, this one horizontal, and we did no weave. And like, you must have spreadsheets up the galore just to make sure that you're on top of it. Yeah. For, for John, John, I, I did. And, and I made so many for him. I had to, I had like this book and spreadsheets. It was kind of out of control uh, during the pandemic. It was getting kind of crazy, but yes, for something like Ethan's, um, I think I definitely will have a either a mental note because it's it's just a couple boards. But as it gets more heavy into it, sure, we'll we'll keep track of it. Um, but yeah, I think you know it's weird. Uh, Philippe's board is our standard dark arts build. You know that plain weave. It it's everything we sell, and he won a world title on that. He he shows up and. It's incredible, you know, part of that is that design from Marcio, uh, that quad fin design, um, but he really likes the liveliness of the, the carbon. Um, I also had a really interesting conversation with Stephanie at the pool and um, she's so excited about the boards and she did ride a non-woven at Surf Ranch uh, and her board was really light. It was four pounds uh, wow. under your arm. It just feels like, it's and and I and she said and she's like I was a little nervous I was thinking it was going to be too light and feathery on the face, uh, but then when she wrote it she was like man it it was unreal so she wrote that in the heats it had a white top, um, but she's so excited because she said, for her it's the opportunity to maybe just take a handful of boards on tour not two board bags it's maybe one board bag and for oh, her. That's super exciting. And she also said at Snapper, she actually ran somebody over with the pink top board she was riding and <laughs> she broke their board. And she was like, I was devastated. And I flipped over my dark arts and there was nothing wrong with it. And from that point on, she was just like, okay, this is really cool. Like it performs and it lasts, you know, and that's the whole goal. Yeah, so. yeah for sure. That 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 conversation was it lit me up. Like I was so excited to hear that, you know. It was it was just great. That's pretty classic. She she ran somebody over and and we're all excited. Yeah, I mean that was her she was devastated at one time, but you know, <laughs> she was like, wow, it's just so, so it was cool, cool story. Well, look, you mentioned um something that always interests me, which is the weight, you know, four pounds, five pounds for Ethan. You've made me a couple boards and you and I've had this discussion where I'm like, I, Justin, I think it's too light for me. I'm a, I don't know why I'm a 58 year old male. Um, yeah. I didn't feel like there was any drive and maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just not, you know, pro level or, or you know, which is quite frankly is possible. I mean, I'm not pro level and, but, but you and I were talking about 
making a PU board for me or making a board that's that has more drive. I've never been an EPS guy. I've tried and tried and tried. Yeah. And I keep fooling myself going, I think I would like this one and I didn't like it. And um, so I just think I'm a PU guy through and through. Yeah. What does that mean for me? Like, do you think it's PU that makes me feel like I'm not getting any drive out of the board? Like the board doesn't want to go or is it, I don't know. Like, yeah, I think, yeah, no, it's, it's, I think a lot of people have that question. And I think from hearing feedback from the past few years with these top guys and getting their opinions, it's, um, it's partly, yes, you're used to that PU sensation and that weight and feeling and that dampening. And then, you know, when you jump on a, a carbon vacuum bag EPS board, you know, it's got this weird, like where it kind of hangs and stalls and it doesn't want to go maybe for certain people. And uh, I was talking to Tony here that helps at our shop and runs things. And, and he's like, you know, a lot of these athletes that like it, they're like really fast moving athletes you know like they're they're quick on their feet yeah, and they, yeah they can utilize it and uh you know and for john you know he loves the carbon and he surfs great on it but then when it comes to like competing on it if he's not 100 percent locked in mentally like he struggles on it and so what i'm building for him now and what we're what we've been working on is is that carbon kevlar board and that is a pu core um, I add a little something to the inside of that to, to give it a little more spice, but that, that board is something that like people like you would love where it feels like a PU that weight is a PU type of weight. It's a really good feeling PU. The core is PU, but now you have, uh, this electricity from the carbon and the carbon Kevlar that give you this kind of electric sensation. It'd be like a PU you know, on steroids kind of, yeah. And, and, and those guys like Ethan Ewing, he rode a PU Glaston epoxy. That's what he rode at surf branch. So those yeah. guys, you know, they'll look at that wave and be like, okay, I think I need something more than a PU, but I'm not really used to the carbon yet. How can we spice it up a little bit? And it's like, well, their first go-to is just wrap it with epoxy because it gives it a little stiffness, but it gives it a little more uh, zip to it, you know? So do you mean a carbon layup at the epoxy resin? No, Ethan was riding a just a PU blank and he was just, it was glassed with four ounce and epoxy resin. I see, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, how many, how far did the dark arts boards go at the Surf Ranch? Um, what was the, what was the, was Felipe the guy that, that took the technology to the furthest at this year's event? I think he did. Yeah. I think he took it the farthest. I can't remember if it was just the semis or. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you're making boards for a bunch of surfboard brands. DHD is the latest one. Sharp Eye, of course. Uh, Ipa, a Rusty, John Pizel album. How do these relationships get forged? Are, are guys calling you up? Are you actively marketing to these brands or is how does that work um yeah they usually reach out um i've i've worked with matt album since i was in my garage you know uh so i've i already have a relationship with him i've, I've known marcio for 20 years and he he 
brought me work when I was in my garage. Um, John Pizel, same thing, built John John's first two out of the garage. Um, but then everybody else has kind of reached out. We don't really actively approach. I've, I've had Eric Arakawa reach out. I mean, I feel bad because a lot of people wanted to, to get involved and it's like, I don't have the capacity yeah, um, and I don't have the ability to do it for everybody. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like approaching the growth as like a slow grow and, you know, try not to go too big, too quick and just, it's hard. Yeah. It's definitely hard. Yeah, it's probably smart though. I mean, better to do a few really good than to get overextended. Yeah. I, I, and that's the, the, I keep telling people that, you know, the name of this game is kind of make a product that's done really well, that performs really well. And, you know, if we can only make X amount, it is what it is, you know, like I'm not looking to take over the polyester market or the epoxy market. I'm just trying to create a product that falls in line for the industry that the industry it benefits from and, and gets healthier in a sense, you know? Yeah. yeah. So well, it's interesting. Like we spoke a little bit about Firewire at the beginning and there are some other brands that are making <clears throat> carbon boards. Um, Firewire has this, and I'm not super up to speed with it. So I'm going to sound a little ignorant, but the Thunderbolt stuff and the, that volcanic that Firewire is putting out um, seems similar, um, at least aesthetically, uh, to, to what you're doing, or they're trying to be similar. Um, yeah. I know that uh, Lost has something that they're some sort of carbon layup that they're excited about. Um, yeah. How do you feel about that? Do you see that as they're trying to come after you, or do you? What are your feelings on on that? That's a great question, man, because when I see it, when I saw that stuff in the beginning, you know, I, it was kind of disheartening because it's like, man, I, I put my heart and soul into this thing and, and I try to just create a lane and just stay in my lane, you know, where it's carbon top and bottom and I want to be that best product in that marketplace for that. And then when people come out doing the same thing and making it cheaper and making it overseas or making their color jobs look like ours, you know, I mean, I get it, but, and that's the surf industry. Right. And yeah. my goal is to not, not do that, you know, is to not, I don't know. Take, take yeah. I'm going to stay in my lane and I'm just going to do my lane the best that I can do. It, it's okay. Like, I think people know, you know, the lost boards are made in Vietnam and they're cheaper and um, you know, there's boards that are made of carbon and they're, they come out of Cobra and, um, you know, people get a great markup on those things when they land here in the States. But in my honest opinion, that stuff's not great for the industry. You know, I think uh, when you can create something that is a premium here and you just do it well, and even if it's low volume, you know, and it's a high price product and the top surfers in the world are on it, that's good for the industry. You know what I mean? I could have easily taken this thing you know overseas and mass produced it and just flooded shops and squashed i mean people would hate me you know what i mean and i'm not in it for that you know it's like it's not it's not money for me it's not 
you know, anything like that. It's more like, let's make something that's positive for the industry and, 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 and do that and do it well. You know what I mean? So. Plus it, uh, from my own experience, when I've been to your factory and talked with you about boards, there's a, I get a real sense that I'm getting a custom surfboard. Like, like you're like, Scott, well, let's try this and we could do this. And there's, there's like a little bit more, um, more ingredients to the, to the magic potion over there at dark arts. Like, I feel like there's, it's not just like, yeah, I'd like a carbon surfboard, please. It's more like, hey, let's build you something crazy here and, and bitching and fun. And let's mix this with that. We can do this and we can do that. Like, there's just more parts to it or, you know, with what you guys are doing. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Tony Curdo here is on the phone every day. If you call our factory and you have a question about what to order or what, you know, you are thinking you want to order, Tony is great. And he'll walk you through the process of, you know, what he's written and, and his opinion and what he, he'll try to direct you in the right way of your purchase, you know, um, and the phone rings every day. And I think it's, it's important to have that, you know, uh, ability to feel like you're ordering a custom and you are, I mean, you can order custom sizes here and, uh, we have a great shaper here, Alex, and he's going to shape it. And it's, it's a normal factory here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not like you're ordering like a cookie cutter size and this is what you get. And it comes in a box and have fun, you know, (laughs) you can come here and pick up your custom dark arts board in person. And, you know, we'll give you a shirt and, you know, chat and all that, you know, it's just cool. Should be like that, you know, absolutely. That's the fun. That's part of the fun. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Kevlar. We touched a little bit on Kevlar. I'm sort of interested in this. I heard you mention it with uh, on the broadcast at the Surf Ranch Pro with Peter Mel. Um, what would what would a normal surfer like me would, would Kevlar be something that I would consider? So, uh, with that whole board, and I didn't really have time to get into that. That whole broadcast was wild. I've never done that before. And he was like, "You got to talk quick." and all that. So I couldn't really get into it, but uh, that product is basically, I'm trying to bridge the gap between our EPS dark arts and the sensation of a poly board. So that's that product that guys that don't like EPS chattery, maybe their whole opinion on it doesn't work for them. Their PU lovers, that carbon Kevlar board is the answer for them. That's their dark arts answer. So it's not production ready yet. Um, I have a couple more tweaks I'm working on uh, with John to try and just tune it in a little more. But mm-hmm. I'm hoping next year for everybody that's on the fence of, you know, I don't like how those stock dark arts feel in choppy situations or whatever, this one is gonna be your go. And we'll have some demos, I think, and, and all that, so. Cool. And when do you anticipate that would be available to the general public? Any, any time frame on that? I know you mentioned next year, but is there like, I don't know. I I'm trying to think like it's, it's, it's the hardest surfboard to make. It's really hard. Um, Uh, well the non-woven carbon on the bottom, it, it's really hard to bag onto PU. And then, uh, we don't wrap the board in fiberglass. So, whenever you're dealing with Kevlar on a surfboard, if you don't cover it in fiberglass, you can't really get into it if you sand. So um, 
I can build the board. Uh, I've had uh, a couple guys in the shop. We put a one or two through and it, 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 it's not easy. It's a hard surfboard to build. It's the hardest board I've ever made. Um, but John, John really loves it. Like loves it. So there's something to it. And I think it's worth, I don't think we're going to make a lot of them. We might make a hundred of them. (laughs) So yeah, one of those. I know Kevlar's been around for a while. I remember, I want to say even in the 80s. Yeah. Um, Shannon came out with some Kevlar boards. So it's obviously not new to, um, you know, just sort of the, um, you know, biochem, the, like the, the tech world's been using it for decades. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I think it's about how you apply it in that sandwich. I, I think of maybe the surfboard builders as a sandwich and what layers you're using, you know, to make that sandwich taste good and you know it's it's pretty complex you know the non-woven on the bottom is gonna give it this like rail to rail torsional kind of movement that gives it a different feel but then the carbon kevlar on the top gives it a lot of dampening with the pu blank um it all kind of just blends together to this kind of spicy like wow kind of board you know yeah and regarding pu is there a specific brand that you like is it is there i mean there's millennium and arctic and u.s blanks is there one that you're that you feel is more effective you know i don't i'm not a i'm not a pu blank expert i think the guys that shape that day in and day out i, I know paisel's a arctic fan and um you know there's u.s blanks we use u.s blanks uh pu and we add uh, a little eps they add an eps piece in there for us um that's what we use now and and i'm not an expert in that field to be honest with you yeah. but, right yeah. well what about and maybe maybe this isn't relative either but what about dark arts tech with like a varial foam or or javier's uh xtr or yeah. So, like, have you tried Varial or XTR? Yeah, I've, I've vacuum bagged on Varial uh, when I was playing in my garage. And, uh, you know, it's, I, it's good foam. Uh, there's a lot of cool properties to it. Um, so when I think about stuff like that, that foam, when you're dealing with that foam, it's a very like slow moving foam. You know, uh, when you bend it, it's, it bends and it moves, but it moves slow. Uh, EPS reacts real fast. It's, it's more stiff. Um, mm-hmm. You have to look at, if you're going to bag carbon onto a foam like that, it's going to be a whole different feel from a plain weave EPS board. You know, those mm-hmm. athletes that ride our stuff, they're looking for speed and, and fast reacting equipment if you bag varial foam, that foam is going to be a lot slower moving, even when it's bagged in carbon, it's going to, it's going to feel totally different. Um, so for me, when I bag PU, that's why I add EPS. Um, and I've, I've tested with John wood stringers, every different width, uh, bagged in different types of carbon. I've sliced that bread every which way I can with the top guy in the world. And it's either a no-go or it's not good enough or it's this isn't very exciting and if he doesn't get excited he just won't ride it because pu for him is great you know if you can't build something that's better than pu 
there's no point in riding it, especially for right. the top guys. The fact that John's riding something that's different, he believes in it, you know? And I, that's the thing with me. It's like, if I can't get John, John excited, if I make him a board and he's like, and I've done it, I've made him carbons where he's like, this thing just feels like a typical epoxy, not interested, you know? And that's with a different type of carbon that's slower moving. And he's like, there's no point to him unless this thing is electric and it goes fast. And he like, is like, wow, he'll just, it's PU back to PU, which is, I totally understand, you know? Do you do a thing where, um, when you build John aboard in a certain construction, you build yourself the same exact one so that you could go surf blacks or whatever and be like, I want to kind of feel what John's talking about. Uh, I don't because I feel like, uh, the typical, say an average surfer just it it sounds interesting but you're just not going to be able to connect on the same level you know what i mean yeah like yeah. if 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 i give you two short boards that have an eighth of a difference of tail rocker you're probably yeah. not going to feel the difference john will feel the difference you know what i mean yeah. um, so i don't but um only because I know that, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense for me. You, you need the top guys to validate and test equipment. You have to, I mean, you can give the average surfer a board and they'll just be like, this thing's amazing, but that, you know, yeah, doesn't mean anything. So. Yeah. What about, um, and you know, as you mentioned, John, John, my mind goes to, to pipeline and goes to big outer reefs, uh, on the North shore, where are we at with dark arts surfboards and big waves, like a quiver of dark arts boards for John, John, like maybe even the, the Pizel Padillac for surfing that outer reef left that they all go to <clears throat> or Piper or sunset. What, what are your thoughts on dark arts and bigger waves? Maybe even Puerto Escondido. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think John Pizel is kind of interested in, in exploring that. Um, you know, it, it, I don't think it, it would do anything for him. I don't think he's excited about it, which I, I get. Um, Billy Kemper reached out, I think a year or so ago, and he was, he wrote a Dark Arts and, and he was like, I would really love to get that in a, in a big wave gun. And, and I, I, I reached out to John and, and he did and, and, but it just kind of went to the wayside. I think, I think that there is something there and it could be explored. I think KT does really good stuff with, yeah, he does great stuff with Kyle Lenny. And um, I think that's really cool. I, for me, it's, I'm so busy just trying to improve the shortboard uh -huh. performance side with these guys that I just, I don't have the time right now, but yeah. I, I would, I think it's cool. I think there is definitely a thing there that needs to be explored, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, I I could see Dark Arts PU just for the strength factor, you know, like less broken boards out there. Um, yeah, I think in that situation, yeah, I, that would be fun to test, you know, and 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 work with those athletes. That's the fun for me is that side of it, you know, chasing improvements for them, squeezing out as much performance in their equipment as possible. And um, but it's it's hard, you know, like John Pizel is super busy and. Um, you know, his program is his program. And I'm super fortunate and thankful that he gives me 
the opportunity to, to make boards with John, John. So I don't, I don't try to bug him and, you know, right. Uh, yeah. Well, what if some big white surfer like that's on, I, I don't even, let's just say like Tom Love, for instance, but uh, I believe Chris Christensen's making his boards. What if somebody like that came up and said, Hey, I, I would like a quiver of big wave guns. Do you just not have the time to go down that right now? Cause you're so focused. No, if, if, if someone like that reached out and they said that, um, you know, I would say, great. I, I would say, you know, get the shapes and uh, let's talk about what you want it to be in, in the end result. And, and I can do that for you. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely. If, if somebody like that reached out and, and they said, hey, I'm going to get some shapes from Chris and I want to get him wrapped in dark arts, I, I would be excited to do that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that would be fun, but I'm not going to chase like right. uh, figuring it out. What about locally here? Like, does, do you have guys go, hey, um, make me, a, you know, or whoever, like Sharp Eye or even you, like like JT, make me a gun for blacks and obviously in the dark cards. Like, are there are there no, seven foot six boards down at blacks this winter? Yeah, we don't we don't get a lot of big wave inquiry stuff at all, really, to be honest. Yeah. It's never been that for us. It's more like uh, just performance shortboards and kind of grovelly stuff. Yeah. But I think, you know, it, it can be done. Like I said, I think KT does some great stuff and um, that proves that, you know, there's, there's something there, you know. No doubt. Yeah. Um, what about foil boards? <laughs> <laughs> I have the foil, foil king, Kyle Knox. He's the foil king right now. And he's just like over the moon about foiling. I know. He's got me all fired up. Believe me, I've, I've seen his boards and I know they're dark arts. <laughs> he's like uh, next level. His mind when it goes to foiling, it's, it's out there in outer space. Like he'll come in and talk about design and all this stuff. And it's just... It's wild. It's really cool. It's great to see passion and something like that from him. But yeah, uh, we we can do some great foil stuff. Actually, I think the foil boards that we do from what Kyle says are the best, you know? Yeah. And is that one of your designs? Is that like if I wanted a foil board from Dark Arts, would you just make me something that you made, Kyle? Or do you have or do I like reach out to my shaper and go? Yeah. No. Yeah. So like uh, Kyle's board. Uh, we make that board. I make that board under the JT and, uh, and that's basically the go-to foil. He's tested that thing and we've done three different foil designs and he's like, the first one's the best, you know? And so that's kind of the go-to. Oh, cool. Yeah. And what's going on with the musical background? You were in Vegas playing music. I know you play bass. Yeah, um, that's pretty funny. I, you know, I, I kind of put a lot of my fun stuff to the wayside to just focus on dark arts. So um, I, we got invited to play punk rock bowling in Vegas and we played this biker bar. It was like, <laughs> it was actually really cool. Um, I had last time I played was a year ago and it was just a little show, but we used to play before dark arts. I would play uh, with all the big nineties punk bands strung out lag wagon. I mean, all those big bands that I grew up listening to, I had the chance to play with them um, previous to Dark Arts. So, um, yeah, we we went to Vegas and and 
and did a little show and it was fun. I love playing music. I really do. It's, I, I honestly wanted to be that musician and, and, uh, it's really a passion of mine, but I just don't, I don't have the time, you know, this thing consumes me. And what, like, do you just pick up the bass and show up or do you guys practice or is <laughs> for that show? <laughs> For that show, yeah. uh, the guitar player lives in Colorado and he literally just flew in two hours before the show and we got on the stage and, and we played and yeah, we don't really practice now. So we we practice ourselves <laughs> to the album um, and then uh, we go up on stage and do it. But, you know. Is it all originals that you guys have been playing forever? Yeah, we put out an album in, I think it was 2016 and uh, we did a lot of shows from that album. Um, What's the name of the band? The band's called Skip Jack. And the, the latest album is a soundtrack to a eulogy. And that, that album we played with like Good Riddance, uh, Strung Out a couple times, um, Punk Rock Karaoke, shared the stage with like Greg Hetson and I, all sorts of great punk kind of legends, you know? Um, yeah. And that was all prior to Dark Arts. I was, I was making boards in my garage and playing a lot of music and then it kind of took a shift where it was like, this thing has a chance. It's either you go for it and make dark arts happen, or you're just going to make a few boards in your garage and play music. So I decided to jump off the cliff with dark arts and really give it a go. And it's, it's been going gangbusters, man. I mean, I'm so stoked for you, right? Things are, things are great. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, it's been really hard. I'll, I'll be honest. Like it's, it's hard, you know, manufacturing anything custom, uh, something new it's it's difficult you know it's hard but yes it is it is good we're getting some great exposure and great partnerships and um, we've aligned uh, with the manufacturer in Australia so we're going to start getting boards over to Australia um, so that's kind of new that's exciting for us yeah yeah sounds like you're going to be going to Australia <laughs> I would love to. Yes. I had the conversation this morning. I, I, I need to go over there and, and figure that out. And, you know, I'm still figuring out here and it's, I'm so busy, Scott. Like when you, when you hit me up, I was like, I'd love to do a podcast. And you're like, how about this day? And it's like, my schedule is with the two kids and taking them to school. And it's, it's just crazy, man. But, crazy, yeah. in good, crazy in a good way. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, I've noticed I believe, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I've noticed that I think there's board builders that are specifically making boards for wave pools. And I mean boards that shouldn't be ridden in the ocean. Is that the case? Is that something that you sense? And in fact, are you doing that? Uh, it's funny that you say that because uh, I think you know Chris Russell pretty well. I think he's, he, yeah. I just saw him and he said to say hi. So Chris says That's hi. Cool. Yeah. Um, but he approached me last week and, you know, he's like, I, I have a couple materials that I think would be great for maybe a wave pool type board. And I think, yes, some people are doing something like that. And, uh, I think there is a build for a wave pool board because obviously there's like a concrete bottom and they get dinged a lot and damaged. So you would need no salt water. Yeah. So you need something that kind of bounces around without getting cracked, you know? Yeah. And that's probably a, a Kevlar, a Negra type build, you know? Um, 
but anytime you wrap something in fiberglass, it's, it can crack. So, and then how do you approach that sanding of the Enegra Kevlar's on the outside without wrapping it? It's, it's technical, you know? What's the name of that company that Chris Russell works for? Uh, Graphite Master. Yeah. Graphite. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's see a couple more things and then I'll, I'll let you go. I know you're a busy guy. Um, as you know, the Boardroom International Surfboard Show, um, of course, presented by U.S. Blanks. It's coming up here in October, and we're honoring Bing Copeland as the icon of foam. Any thoughts on Bing Copeland? Uh, I, he's, you know, Bing's boards are amazing, you know. Uh, he's a legend. Um, I, I'm a surfer of the nineties. So, I mean, I don't have a lot of experience <laughs> in that area, but I put you on the spot, didn't I? You're like, Big from a design from a, Hey, from a design aspect. I mean, I have the utmost respect for all those guys, you know, um, yeah. they, they, they paved the way and ground the pavement, you know, just as I'm trying to do this with carbon, they were the innovators and purveyors of design back then, you know, and we all take pieces of that, I think. So, um, that's cool. I think there's people that, you know, they shape that style of board and make those, those boards today and hats off to them. They do a good job. Well, you probably don't know this, but 2023 marks the 50th anniversary of the licensing deal between Malcolm and Duncan Campbell, the Bonzer brothers, and Bing Copeland to have the Bing brand and label start to make the Bonzer. That was 1973. So this year, um, for best in show, we have a category, one and only category is the Bonzer. Cool. And as you anyone can enter, it's $1,000 first prize. So any board builders that are listening to this, consider entering. But I'm telling you, Justin, because I'm expecting to see a JT Bonzer in the best in show um okay. again it's, it's free to enter and anyone can enter of course i'm hoping that dark arts gets a booth but what if, we did, a, what if we did a carbon kevlar malcolm campbell bonzer that's what i'm talking about brother i love it they, they would, <laughs> how about they, those guys are judges too by the way those are the two guys that are judges they would love that so how how about i get malcolm to shape the bonzer and then i'll do a carbon kevlar without no, that's, <laughs> that's not gonna work you gotta you gotta create the bonzer i know you got the chops to get okay. it done and that would be fun for you i bet you it'd be a fun little side project that'd be fun uh is malcolm you said malcolm's gonna be a judge yeah malcolm and duncan are both gonna be there to judge it cool i think uh i've been having some conversations with malcolm lately and i think we're gonna do a uh dark arts malcolm campbell kind of collab maybe uh sweet yeah we're gonna do maybe a limited run of malcolm campbell uh boards under dark arts here soon wow maybe that's what i'm gonna be getting there you go i think everything pu kevlar that would be so sick (laughs) (laughs) i think a lot of people be into it he's such a great guy um so yeah we're working on that as well there's a lot of fun stuff we're working on all right well, cool. Listen, um, Justin, it's always great catching up with you. I know I saw you at the, um, what's that board demo called? The, um, oh, that's right. Yeah. What was that? Uh, Camp, Camp Stretch. 
There you go. Camping thing. Yeah, camps, yeah. it's a killer little thing that Scott Des Desdario puts on there in Cardiff. But anyway, it's like I said, it's great catching up with you. Um, I know you're busy. Uh, get back to work. Thanks for thanks for being with us here. Thank you, Scott. Really appreciate it. It was great catching up. Okay, buddy. We'll talk soon. Talk All to right, you later. Sounds good. See ya. Some folk build like that, a bunch of way I'm built, a don't you call me fat because I'm built for comfort. I ain't built for speed. But I got everything. Oh, a good gun. Some folk rip and run, some folk believe in sign, a bunch of. Baby, you got to take your 